Now, now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at Dell.com. Welcome to now. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. I think the best player in the world is the person that uh, is the last one standing. You know, is the person that um, takes his, his team to the final, to the finish line, and helps them win the game. You know, win games and become champion. Two years ago, when we did that, yeah, you know, when I was sleeping in uh, my bed, you know, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, maybe I'm the best player in the world, you know. But now, no. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. I'm Dave Dufour and that means it's Nerder. She Wrote. Joining me as usual, my man Mo DeKeel. Happy birthday, Mo. Oh, thank you. I'm older now. Yeah. Wow. And, uh... Yeah, also <laughs> Seth's birthday. Actually, it's, no, it's not, not Seth's birthday. birthday. <laughs> um, yeah, well, Seth Partnow also here. Speaking of Seth, guys, the mid-range theory is now available for pre-order in paperback. We all love paperback books because you can throw them in bags. They don't take up a lot of space. They're easy to give away once you're done reading them. But also... Seth included a new afterward that looks back at all the stuff he got wrong from last season. So Seth pointing out his own mistakes. That's reason enough to pre-order the paperback. It's available October 18th, wherever you get books, but you can pre-order it now. So go and do it. I think I get 5% kickback. Is that what we decided on? Don't quit your day job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I I think the, uh, the, the, is it the forward or the afterward? What is it, Seth? The, 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 the afterward. It's the afterward. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be the size of the whole book. All the things Seth got wrong. That's going to be like its own book. There's a whole, there's a whole like six pages on, on all the stuff we missed with the Warriors. Uh, guys, before we get to our five questions about the East following up from the show from two weeks ago where we talked about the West, something fun happened last night. And I, I just I had to change the show because I wanted to talk about it. And Victor Wimbanyama and Scoot Henderson put on a damn show. In Vegas, the G League Ignite played against the Mets 92 team from the France Pro A League. And I just want to start by saying it was great to see, you know, it's not a grassroots game. Let's not act like that. These are two professional teams, but two prospects who really did want to go head to head. And Scoot's a point guard and Victor is whatever Victor is, but they got a chance here and there. And it was electric. It was so much fun. That's what basketball is supposed to feel like. Did you guys get a chance to watch it? Watch some of it. Uh, we'll be. I have it recorded to watch later to sit down and fully embrace it. But I saw all the highlights and everything. But I don't know if you guys heard at the same like there was a weird sound after that game, and it was just the the number of teams trying to race to the bottom of the NBA standings. <laughs> the bottom fell out. I, I mean, think. they were already telling guys like, "Yo, you're hurt. What, what are you talking about? Where I train? No, you're hurt." You're hurt. You can't play. You're done for the year. 
if we're there were ever a, if there were ever a season two tank, I think this is the one. But you know, I think I've made no mistake how I feel about tanking. Um, I don't care if, if you look smart because you've collected a bunch of assets. It's a loser mentality. So I would rather you not tank. But I guess if you're going to tank, at least tank for a couple of guys that seem like they're going to be winners. Well, this is my reason why the NBA should flatten the odds completely, not just the bottom three. If you're going to be bad, be bad. But don't be, you don't have to make it so that, hey, let's reward you for being the three worst teams in the NBA and being the three most unwatchable teams. It's a, At the end of the day, it's a product, and they're killing the product. Yeah, at least be bad honestly. You know, Seth, come on. We don't have to be bad on purpose. I mean, there are enough bad players, young players in the league that you can do it honestly. There's, look, there's no set of rules we can come up with that isn't going to have people try to shoot the angles. There's going to be an angle. You're you're paid to try to do the best towards your team winning a championship in the long term. You're doing a disservice if you're not shooting the angle. Now, should the incentives be set up that the angles being shot do not lead to a bad part? Sure, yes, that's but that's the balance we should be looking to strike. Not like for the good of the game, you should blah blah blah. No, for the good of the game, make it make the rules such that you're encouraging people to act in a way that's for the good of the game. And, you know, it's it's we can argue this or that about lottery odds. Just too many repeat customers. Sorry, there's too many repeat customers. Yeah, but how many of them are how many of them are trying, and how many of them are just bad? I mean, listen, some teams are just bad because the incompetence, bad injuries, bad luck, all that stuff. Some teams are bad because yo, we want to be bad, and we have a case of like four or five teams already doing it. So it's like you know, it's 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 it's. Listen, how much are we really going to watch the Spurs Seth this year? Honestly, be honest. I mean, that's as much to do with who's on the Spurs. Like, there are bad teams can be entertaining. There, there are some bad teams that are going to be entertaining. There are teams, though, that are specifically going to be tanking. How much are you going to watch Utah? Utah's going to be terrible to watch. I'm going to watch a lot of the Pistons. Yeah, but the Pistons, I think, yeah. well, we're going to get to them. Don't don't see, don't see, yeah. jump into our stuff. You know the rundown. <laughs> What's yeah, wrong we with you? We're staring What's at the notes right you? now. We're talking about the Pistons. We don't mention teams until we talk about them. Cut the promo Seth. for the All mid-range right, theory at the uh, beginning. Cut it. <laughs> We got Let's go back to Wembenyama because, um, guys, freak is not the right word. Um, you guys ever play like no? Here's, here's everybody here's, here has here's, played here's, video no. games. You ever make a guy who was seven foot four that shot threes? You know, the guy had seven made threes and five block shots. First guy to do it in a game, well, an NBA game, if we want to call it that. Danny Green was the last guy to do it. Seven made threes oh, and five well, block shots. Dave is completely in the tank for this guy in, now. Hey, listen, man. Wow. Uh, many are saying Victor Wimanyama could be as good as Danny Green one day. Yeah. Let me, let's we so we did a at sports business classroom this summer. We did a film session with the students where we did we did a, took a long look at at Victor Wimanyama. And what I said then is what I'll continue to see now. Say now we don't have color footage. We don't have much footage of all. Uh, at all of Luel Cinder in high school. That's what this look. That's that, that like this is what that is. Like this is this is the you know it's not the same thing as saying he'll be the best player, but this is on the very short list of best basketball prospects of my lifetime. We can talk about you know in that group we can talk about LeBron. We can talk about Tim Duncan. 
could talk about Greg Oden and KD. If we want to go back a little farther, whatever one wants to think about, like a, an Akeem Olajuwon or, or you know, it's, it's hard to look back now and wonder what Michael Jordan was as a prospect. But this is, I mean, no disrespect to Scoot Henderson intended at all. But this is, there's just not a debate because this is otherworldly talent in a, in a well, physical I'm- being that we just haven't seen. I was kind of saying that, um, you know, when we were talking about it before the show, because when you look at these guys, it's one A and one B. I mean, is the sense that I get from talking to people around the league and from, you know, independent scouts that I know. Uh, And then you watch this game last night and it's like, well, okay, yeah, I see it back and forth. And Scoot was uh, electric. But when you put them side by side, it just seems to me, Mo, like you're pretty much always going to take the seven foot four guy. I mean, regardless, I mean, let's say Scoot's the, just as good of a defender up front as as Victor is inside. Let's say Scoot's just as good of a three well, point shooter. How could he be as, as Victor good is. a defender up front? As you could be Tony Allen and <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. But it's but insane. Like it's crazy. The point is, you're always going to take the bigger guy, right? And I think that's true. But there's also risks that always come with it when you take the bigger guy. You know, and I'm not trying to say it because I'd be, listen, I'd be picking Webb. If I won the draft, the first pick on draft night, I would just turn to my staff going, we don't have to do nothing else. We don't have any other picks, right? We're done. Number one picks over with that discussion. I don't want to hear anything. It's Victor Webb Miyama. But like, I, I think there are risks that come with it just in terms of the size and, and seeing a guy move like that and, and whatnot. I mean, he's, I mean, there's freaks, not a term. We've overdone the unicorn thing. Like, I mean, I don't know what the hell they call him. He's uh, a griffin. He, he, he might just, I swear, I was just thinking he's the same scary. thing. He's scary. so weird. He's scary. Um, he's a perfect, yeah. you know I what he is? I just call him an alien. He's a perfect bookend to Zion Williamson. Just like body type that should not be doing those things. It's like the one, like it's, uh, you know, the one kind of boxy, the one that's kind of a complete straight line. Um, but well, it, it it means you have to think differently in how you train him and how you prepare. With Scoop, you kind of just know, like, all right, this is the program. Boom, we got it. Whoever gets the second pick in the draft, they're going to be just as happy, right? Like, that's a hell of a player they'd be getting as well from what we saw last night. So, I mean, the most important thing is just like, damn, man, the league's going to be in good hands for a long time. I, I'm honestly, if you were to take a 10-year break from the sport, let's say starting next year, and you came back, to watch just the sport period, no basketball for 10 years. And you came back. I am pretty sure it would be a completely different sport. Like 10 years from now is going to look nothing like now, just like now really doesn't look a lot like 10 years ago. And I think Victor is the start of that, that next wave of change. Cause I, I'm curious to see what teams are going to do against him like what kind of crazy defenses are we going to see when that guy gets going you know five years from now when he's you know an all-star or whatever uh i'm really curious to see how things change because we've we've seen so much already (laughs) under all day right (laughs) you have no choice yeah no no i'm saying i'm saying under on five years (laughs) okay got you are we talking mvp rookie of the year no come on let's like like, calm down it's never gonna happen never gonna happen again all right we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll come back and get to the questions about the east this episode is brought to you by Michelob ultra the official beer sponsor of the nba want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive nba prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an nba game and more 
head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Kevin, good to see you. Uh, if you just want to start off kind of giving us your mindset from when we last spoke to you after the Celtics series ended and what played into your decision to put the trade request in and ultimately rescind it. Well, there was a lot of uncertainty around our team last year. Um, I committed to this organization for four years last summer with the idea that we was going to play with that group that we kind of went on that little run with, the second round with, you know. I felt like another year that us being healthy, you know, we were looking, we are building something towards the future, you know, so. Then as the season went on, I have, you know, you've seen what happened with our season, guys in and out the lineup, injuries, just a lot of uncertainty, which built some doubt in my mind about the next four years of my career. I mean, I'm getting older, and I want to be in a place that's stable and, uh, trying to build a championship culture. So I had some doubts about that. All right, guys, we did five questions about a loaded Western Conference. And I don't know if you guys have looked around the East lately, but I don't know. The top five is pretty clear to me. I I, I think it's Boston. I think it's Milwaukee. I think it's Philadelphia. I'm going to throw Brooklyn in there until I see otherwise because the talent is there. And Miami, of course. I, I think... That that feels like the top five in in the East to me. You guys agree with that or, or disagree? I think Toronto would like a word. Cleveland probably would like a word as I mean, well, I, well, right? Here, here here's the thing about the East. The East is stacked. It really is. I mean, I mean, like just just when you talk about it, those teams. Uh, we're talking about Chicago. Who knows what they're going to be? I mean, the Alonzo thing sucks, but just in general, there's a lot of talent there. Atlanta, like there is the 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 East is stacked and. You're looking at it going like, eh, some of these teams, they're going to be in the playing tournament and we're going to be like, yo, they had a good season. It was just, damn, what are you going to do? I think that given developments, I think that I don't think that Milwaukee is going to end the season being the only team in the top tier of the East. I think in preseason, I think they have by a decent margin, the fewest questions of any of those teams. So you kind of put them, we know they're going to be there. I think three weeks ago, we probably would have said we know Boston's going to be there. Between stuff and Robert Williams having surgery, maybe we're, um, and then everyone else, I mean, I think we, we don't need to go into the questions we have about Philly and Brooklyn and Miami, but we do. Well, uh, let me ask the first question then. Who should be the favorites to come out of the East? Is it Milwaukee? Is it that simple? Oh, no, no. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I think, you know, I'm putting injury questions aside, right? Because injuries can strike at any time with anybody with all of that stuff. And we know some guys do get injured a lot chronically. All that. Moving on. I think you got to look at Philly. I think you really just look at the summer Philly had. And I'll be honest with you, like it took me a while to warm up to Philly. And I think 
I started to turn the corner when I saw the James Harden press conference where I was like, damn, James looked like he actually ran during the off season and not like, you know, ran to fun stuff, but ran. Looked like he ran some hills. Yeah, you know, and, and I think, you know, it looked like, I mean, he looks in great shape. I think you looking at that team and the stuff they've done, P.J. Tucker contract, yeah, three years is a long time. Worry about it later. If you win a championship in year one, you're who cares? Yeah, it's paid for. Um, you're, you know, I think Maxie's going to have a, a unbelievable year. I think they just they're deep. I like the the Anthony Melton move. I like the the everything they've done for the most part was like all right. Like this all makes sense to me. Like I like what they've done. Uh, the depth is huge for them. They look like a team on paper that is just just going to create wins. They're going to win a lot of games in a regular season. Wouldn't even shock me if they were the one seed in the East, Seth. I mean, Mo mentioned in, in sort of passing, um, Tyrese Maxey might be one of the, on the very short list of swing players in the league this year. That in terms of what what he turns out to be this season could have a pretty sizable impact on if if he does the yeah i'm an all-star now thing yeah philly it's it, it it's philly like that's just that's the, like how do how do you you can't how do you deal with that james harden healthy in shape joel Embiid, probably you know deservingly the runner-up for mvp the last two years and now you put a third legit like star score but like you just can't deal with that and and the defense is going to be there because you've got Embiid and, and Melvin. More importantly, more importantly, you're going to get rebounding now. That's I mean they they've not been a good rebounding team over the years, you know. And I think now you're going to have guys like PJ Tucker who's going to get a rebound or a couple. And I think you're you're you're, you're kind of in a situation where I think they're just they've improved on a lot of levels. Yes, we know what the question marks are going to be with all of that stuff. But if James Harden is just 75% of James Harden, MVP level James Harden. Like, that's enough. That's enough. Because Embiid's the one that's supposed to be the MVP. And there's going to be a lot of nights where Maxie's going to be the second best player on that team. Yeah, that's going to be the big thing, especially if Harden can play off Maxie and Embiid in particular. Uh, what about Boston? I mean, you know, Robert Williams going to start the season on the injured reserve list or whatever. Not going to play. Worried about Horford being older and obviously the internal concerns that they have with a new head coach taking over for Ime. And it seemed like, at least when you were, you know, parsing through all the interviews and media day, that it the situation itself is weird. You guys, is that kind of clouding the Celtics for you guys? No. I mean, it's weird, but I think these are things that you can try to it's going to be a weird couple weeks, I think, to start the season and things like that. I think the Celtics themselves would be smart to try to bring in a Frank Vogel or a Terry Stotts or something to kind of help sort of Joe Mazzullo, who's, who's super young in this position and things like that. I think it's a weird one, weird position to be in. But the blueprint's there, you know, and yeah, Robert Williams is going to be out to start the season, but let's just make sure he can end the season. Um I think the blueprints there. I really like the Brogdon pickup. I think they need to go find it. Go just go sign another big, not named Blake Griffin. Um, go sign a whatever Dwight Howard or something on a on a one year deal or something just to kind of shore up how shore thin up you the are vibes. there. But for them, <laughs> oh, yeah, no. you know, or whoever, just go find a big that's out there. There's several of them, you know, and and kind of just strengthen that one area, which is probably a bit of a concern until Robert Williams comes back and allow him to sort of 
come back slowly. But as long as Tatum and Brown are there and rolling, I think the Brogdon pickup was massive. I think that's been a very underrated move, and I think that's going to go a long way for them. Seth, Brooklyn, you just don't trust them or or you know, you don't trust KD to stay healthy long enough. You wonder about the supporting cast. Um I think okay. I think that um they're going to miss Bruce Brown. Um, I think they're gonna they're they're gonna miss a lot of what they got from sort of the peripheral pieces, peripheral pieces uh, two years ago, like last year, like last year you just kind of you throw it in the ocean, I think. Um, but yeah, I think you, you just you, you Joe Harris is, you know, what what's he gonna have to show? For, what's he gonna have for us? Uh, is Nick Claxton gonna develop? Uh, and just you know, frankly, like what is Ben Simmons? Like yeah, there's just a, a lot of questions there. I think the you can squint and see how a very good team comes out of there, but there's a lot that can go wrong, and there's players that can have things go wrong either by or or to them. Well, and with Miami, it seems like the general consensus is is kind of it's more just what did they do. They're hoping for internal improvement. They're hoping Hero, Tyler Hero the got whole bag is what a, they did. A lot of money. They're hoping Hero is better. They're hoping Kyle Lowry, even though he's older, is going to be in better shape and, and be ready come playoff time. Jimmy Butler is Jimmy Butler, and we know what to expect out of him, except for hairstyle. Bam, you know, Mo, we talked about this a little the other day on Buds. They need more aggression from him. But is this are we just once again, overlooking the Miami Heat, and then they're going to have a spectacular regular season, and we're all going to say, "Wow, how do they keep doing it?" No, I'm not going to. I'm I'm not going to say we're overlooking them until they at least fill the PJ Tucker size hole that they've they lost in free agency. I think that's the the big one there because he was a key to the three and D guy basically for them all over the place. Was great in the corners, all that stuff. They don't have an answer for that yet. Whether it's going completely small and going with the uh, Struce or or Caleb Martin kind of playing that position, which is going to be tough for both of those guys, or going big and going bam and you're at seven. I mean, even then, I don't think you. I think you really hurt your spacing offensively with all of that. So, listen, Spoh's a magician. He comes up with a lot of stuff. I don't think they got the uh, the the juice for that yet. All right. Well, let's move on to the next question. Uh, which of these guys is going to break out this season. Okay. Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, or Cade Cunningham. I don't know if you guys have heard of these three guys. Um, they're all, they're pretty good. We're saying breakout like they weren't already good, but I, I'm assuming we mean breakout like they're going to make an all-star team. Uh, you guys expect one of these three guys to to be an all-star this year. I know Mobley starting out with this ankle injury, you guys you guys know my history there. I think these early season ankle injuries are tricky. I hope they hold them out a little longer. That aside, wh- what are your expectations this year? As frisky as Detroit is likely to be this year, and I've kind of been on that for a while, I think that they probably aren't going to win enough games for Cade to – Cade's going to have to be absolutely like spectacular in terms – he's going to have to like put up like 24, 8, and 5 or something like that to get – all-star consideration since they're going to be they're they're going to be you know bottom three or four seed by the all-star game um so i so i think the most likely is barnes um there's like there's kind of a hype train behind him uh mobley's both starting seasons hurt and he's it's going to be tough for him too many guys on his own team yeah too many mouths to feed on that team 
the hype train's all in Toronto, though. Like, that's not fair for Barnes. Like, it's basically the entire city of Toronto, if not the whole nation of Canada, kind of just pushing that narrative. And I'm not saying it because I was actually going to pick Barnes as well, but, like, I had to jump in on just that notion of, like, if you say anything that's not fully in with Toronto Raptors fans' line of thinking, they come at you with that whole train, and it's ready to, like, they're ready to jump on their their, their horse, put on the Mountie suit, and come running down to get you. Um I just think ultimately, though, I think Barnes has the best chance because the best team. I think we're going to I think here's the thing. I think all three of these kids are going to be unbelievable. I disagree a little bit with Seth and and how good Detroit's going to be. I think Detroit's going to be better than Seth's thinking. Um, I think they're going to be the fun, frisky, frisky team that's going to get a lot of get more wins. They were really in a lot of games last season. They were in a great close games. down, down. Yeah, but I, I, I agree. They're, they're going to be frisky and fun. I, ju- I think they're a playing team this year. Okay. I don't know if your computer froze or if no, you froze. I, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm, I, I don't know I which, not, which, what happened uh, there. We're in preseason form I, I here, was guys. Not expecting, I was not expecting uh, to, to not be the, the Pistons optimist. The optimist assist. No, I've been on it. I've been on it really since the season ended with just how it went with them. I think Barnes is going to be the guy that's going to flash because he's going to have a if Toronto's going to be even, they're going to be better than the Pistons, but if they're going to be what what I was saying, where don't forget about Toronto in terms of those top five teams, it's going to be because Barnes has flashed. And I think that's the important thing because he's going to have a very big role with that, that team. And I think that's going to be the important thing kind of going through it. He was a gamer in the playoffs. I'm excited for it. But I just think like, honestly, all three of those guys, freaking great. All right, guys. Next question. Can the Hawks or the Cavs break through? And, and you know, I laid it out. There, there's just not that many spots. I mean, we, we didn't really talk about the Bulls, but the Bulls are in the mix in that five through ten spot. I, I mean, Hawks or Cavs, guys? I'm probably higher on the Cavs than the Hawks. How can you not be? They have better players. They have a better defense for sure. Seth, I mean, Seth just said it all, so. Yeah. I, all right, next question. Yeah. Seth ruined it. Let's go. <laughs> well, all right, so the Cav- the Cavs have more talent, but the truth is, I mean, the Hawks, though, they've been there, right? Like, they they made a conference finals. My thing with the Hawks is Trey Young has to change the way he plays for that to work with DeJounte Murray. He's got to be willing to be off the ball more. He can't be on the ball as much. And it's not because Trey Young can't carry an offense. It's because DeJounte Murray's not a spot-up shooter. And so now you're you're easier to defend this way. He's not going to find as many lanes. And then my other question, too, is can Trey Young be an off-ball guy? Like, a lot of the off-ball guys that have been really good off-ball at least have good size. And so, I mean, all the way to Steph Curry, who's like 6'3". Trey Young's like six feet on a good day. Like, that's hard. And I think that's where it gets challenging with that. And I think that's why I'm a little bit like I need to see it with Atlanta. It won't surprise me if Atlanta surpasses the Cavs. But I think the Cavs are I'm higher on them just because I can see it with them. And we're not asking anybody to just change who they are. Next question, guys, what are your expectations, if any? Should we have any for these teams? The New York Knicks, the Washington Wizards. And the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, Charlotte is bad. Real bad. What happened? I mean. Yeah. Everything. Everything. The Wizards are still the Wizards. I just haven't seen. There's just not been a fundamental change. I mean, maybe Porzingis can make a 
a big difference for them when, when they start playing for real, but I just don't expect it. And um, I don't know what to really think about the Knicks because my my judgment is is clouded by the coaching there. So, guys, what are your expectations? <laughs> Do you have expectations of, of any of these teams? And and if so, why is it not the Knicks? Is this the part where we just reference Mo's rant when they hired Tibbs and say, uh, outsource our thoughts on that to what, what Mo said two and a half years ago when they hired him and has been proven right at every stage of the way since? Good job, Mo. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I... I'll, I'll give you the like. I think Charlotte's going to be one of the worst teams in the NBA. I think we're going to get some highlights here and there from from Lamelo, but this team, for, we, we the whole Miles Bridges di- uh, fiasco and and disaster and and with all that stuff and and rightfully so he shouldn't be in the league. And then you have the whole. My bigger thing is in, in terms of not bigger thing. Excuse me, but my one thought there is. They've never gotten a defensive center. You have guards that are not very good defensively as guards. Terry Rozier is fine as a defensive guard, but like LaMelo Ball just lets guys go right by him. And they don't have a defensive center. I mean, we're going to keep going with Plumlee again. Like, have we not learned at this point? You know, so until they fill that void, I think they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league with what they got. Gordon Hayward can never be healthy. The Wizards, they're just eh. They're stuck. We've seen this. We've seen this. We've seen this so many times from them, you know, and, and are you even going to get, you know, can you get 60 games from Porzingis? I, I, at this point, I doubt it. You're 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 in a tough position. I I like the moves, but it's like none of this is really to the point where like none of this, none of the, I don't, it won't shock me if they miss the playoffs or the play in completely. So, you know, it's just, they're just, eh. I think the Knicks can get interesting. I, I'm going to, I have Knicks thoughts. Um, this will surprise people. Um, so our, our friend of the show, uh, our athletic colleague, Fred Katz, uh, wrote an article, uh, did a, did a, a feature on, uh, uh, official Nick of this pod, RJ Barrett, um, uh, was it last week, two weeks ago where he basically like illustrated that, um, um, something that I like in prospects in young basketball players is self-awareness, um, I'm not there yet. What do I need to get better at? And it really seems like RJ Barrett looked at his game and is like, all right, I'm a, I'm, I'm enormous. I'm a, I can be a bully. I need to do that better. I need to get to the rim. I need to finish better at the rim. I need to get the, get to the free throw line. Like jump shots are cool. And hitting a spot and spot up three is, is, is still necessity for a, for a wing in today's day and age. But that's not going to be the base of his game. The base of his game is going to be, I'm going to get to the rim and I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to put you in the basket with athleticism, but I'm big and strong and I will score through you. I will get fouled. I will make you double team in, inside of other people. And so just the acknowledgement of that's what I need to make my game more efficient, make my game drive good offense. And I'm going to work on that. Like that's the kind of thing that would give me the uh, hope as a Knicks fan. Uh, I would I would also hope that I would get to see lineups that had Obi Toppin and Emmanuel Quickly and Quentin Grimes. But we can't we can't have nice things. We can't have all the nice things at once. But uh, if if you're if you were looking at the Knicks and it's like, OK, where is their equity to have a breakout player? The guy who has that equity seems like he has the right idea about how to get there. Yeah, I mean, there was a fun little frisky lineup that they played in their preseason game where I was like, I want to see more of this with R.J. Barrett. They had Brunson out there, Cam Reddish, Obi Toppin, and they had Hartenstein. Like, 
I want to see that like that. There's a fun young team brewing in that mix there. And, you know, you could throw Randall in there. I think he'll have fun with the, the energy with some of those guys and things like that. There's a fun combination there. It's it's can you you know, it's a Rubik's Cube. Can you get the right combination there? I think there's a fun team in there that could be frisky and be be good on and most be, nights. And I think that's something that, you know, I, I'm hopeful they can find a incredible way. Incredible on both ends of the floor, too, is something that that this version of the Knicks has kind of struggled with at times is they can put a they, – they've leaned more towards putting a good defensive group on the floor that then they play against a locked-in defense and it's a bunch of Julius Randle mid-range pull-ups, which is – not good Anything. offense. Um, By the way, those lineups don't include Evan Fournier. Sorry. I oh, no, I mean, I mean, like Quentin Grimes not starting to start the year is just like, what are, what are we doing here? Yeah, I, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. I, I watched a little bit of their preseason game the other day. Isaiah Hardenstein shooting threes, and they look good. He's, he's good. He can play. He's good. He's really good with the Clippers. Clippers, Clippers are going to miss him as the backup big. That's right. They're, they're gonna they're gonna miss him until they fill that hole there. He was really good for them, and I I, I love him as a backup big. That's a big can pass it really well. Like that's a fun big right there. I'm excited for the Knicks for well, that. The good thing they have the creative offense that will take advantage of a center with passing skills. <laughs> We're going hey, to third listen. season. They haven't yeah. made Tibbs hire an offensive coordinator. Today's episode is brought to you by Giorgio Armani Aqua Di Gio Parfum, a long lasting and deeply intense men's fragrance that captures the powerful sensations of nature. The woody aquatic scent features notes of bergamot, clary sage, and patchouli, which create an intensity that is vibrant and aromic. Discover more at GiorgioArmaniBeauty.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. All right, last question about the East. And look, I, I think that this is the best question. Is Orlando good? Mo? They're top three good. Oh, sorry. <laughs> is oh, Orlando reflex. good? <laughs> is Orlando good? I think Orlando's going to be fun. I don't know if they're going to be good, you know. And let me put it to you this way. I think they're going to be more – they're going to be better than Charlotte. I think they're going to be better than, than than even Washington. I think they're going to – they got a lot of fun talent there. I think Paolo Banchero's rookie of the year. I think he's kind of just going to come into that. I love his playmaking. And I'm a Franz Wagner guy. 
I think he's going to have a big year, you know, the, and, and, and I think he's going to play really well off Paulo. He was awesome in Eurobest. Yes. And you can, you can really see how he and Paolo are going to uh, accentuate each other's games. Th- those two guys being able to run, pick, and roll together, that is going to be a thing. I mean, I, I, I'm still thinking about your guy, Jalen Suggs, and, you know, if, if there's going to be anything there, Mo, um, I'm not sure. But I do know that Franz and Paolo, that's two players. Cole Anthony can play too, by the way. Just big Cole Anthony fan. The bigs, I like their bigs. I like Mo Bamba and Wendell Carter. Uh, the Wendell Carter Jr. is the third, third right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wendell Carter. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I like him as well. Like I think they're set. I, I, I kind of just like what they have. I think on, I think on nights they're going to play tough. They're going to play hard. They've got a go-to scorer now in Paolo who they can give the ball to. They got the secondary guy in Franz Wagner. Like you said, Cole Anthony's good and can, and, 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 and make some things. Oh, Seth's head just no, broke no, when I said no, no, that no, 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 no. They're just going to be so bad defensively, though. <laughs> yeah, they're going to yeah. – But they – see, now this goes back to the tanking conversation, okay? Because Orlando is not going to be like what we would call a good basketball team. But they are going to be fun and bad. And I would rather fun and bad than just bad for the sake of being bad as or as bad as you can be. They're not trying to be bad. Right. They're going to try to be good. They're, They're going, going to accidentally try to win, win some games. They're probably going to win a bunch of games against these tanking they sh- teams. They shouldn't even bother thinking of of trying to be a bottom three team because they're just going to. Man, you put they got Scoot more on that team, though. Oh, boy. Oh, God, <laughs> it would be so good. <laughs> Don't start this. If they start tanking, if, if by the time we finish recording and Paolo has something, I'm going to be pissed at Listen, you, Seth. If, if basketball is just, <laughs> Orlando no. will be bad, fun, but decent, right? They'll win some games, and they'll get the number one pick next year and put it all together. There, so there's some. This is maybe the wrong time to bring it up, but what the hell? We're here. There's been an idea that's been floated around. I forget exactly what it's called, um, but it's it's like uh, you know you take your record after you're eliminated from playoff contention, and like that then becomes like you you go into a different league, and your record in that league then becomes like your draft order. So you 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 okay? Well, we didn't make the playoffs, but we won games after we didn't make the playoffs. So therefore, we get the top pick. Typical analytics guy, just trying to get more math into the game. I just I just want to watch well, wait more math in terms of hey, she no, should try I'm to just, win and not try to lose. Coming from the dude that wants to do the Elam ending, and I have to do math at the end of the third quarter. <laughs> That's only in the I, All Star game. It's after agree. the third quarter. I think. I think we can all agree. You have to do we math on want, the fly uh, if you use it for real, Mo. That's why you really don't like it. I, no, I we, don't want it yeah. at all. Then forget it. No, I got to carry the two. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, uh, we've gone off the rails. Uh, I think we can all agree, though, that Wembenyama uh, and and Henderson—they're fun. I just want to see them go to fun teams. Um, Orlando is going to be okay. I think they're, they're not going to be good. They're going to be okay, and I think they're going to be fun. Is there anything else from the East that we didn't touch on that you guys uh, wanted to hit before we wrap up? I mean, we got games coming up in like two weeks. Next time we do a show, it's the regular season. I mean, we we sort of touched on the Cavs, but I feel like we probably haven't talked about them enough. And Probably not. The Donovan Mitchell trade kind of, you know, I mean, we did did the show about that trade, but – 
it, it just, well, what do you got, Seth? Yeah. No, I just, it's, it's interesting that, that like we, we talked and we put like these, the, you know, the five teams we talked about and then maybe, well, maybe Toronto. And then if we're going to maybe Toronto, how do we not maybe Cleveland? Like is, is like, does Cleveland have more title equity than Miami? Uh, no. Yeah, yeah, think about you got to think about it though, don't well, you? Miami is a top no, ten I player. No, I though. had to, I had to, I had to think about what title equity meant. Um, the uh, <laughs> was was more what I was going with. Um, no, I listen. This Miami team was a shot away from making it to the finals last year. They were in the finals a few years ago. They're always kind of in the mix with everything that they have. Listen, I love what Cleveland did last year, and I think they're going to be better this year. Obviously, with Donovan Mitchell and things like that, but. You, you also got to make sure it wasn't a flash in the pan, right? Like it wasn't just a, uh, yo, Darius Garland was unbelievable. It's going to be a while. They're very thin, you know, after their top four. They don't, we don't know who their three is going to be, you know, filling that role defensively. We know Mitchell's not going to be a good defender. I think there's a lot of questions there. And I even push back in terms of Toronto. I think Toronto's got more dogs in them right now, you know, and I think they got more guys on the court there that are going to be, they know what they are defensively. It's changes when Ricky Rubio comes back. Well, maybe, but all due respect to JB Biggerstaff, who I thought did a really good job last season. Um, Eric Spolstra and Nick Nurse. I mean, it's just if if we're splitting That's hairs fair. here on talent, those guys are gonna they're gonna probably out coach Cleveland. Um, but Spolstra, especially. I mean, you got a top ten player like Jimmy Butler. They, like Mo said, they were one shot away. I'm not ready to write them off just because they lost P.J. Tucker. I do think some of the other teams have, have passed them a little bit. As far as, you know, if I was putting money on teams, I, I would have a few teams above them. There's still so much Max Struess has got to be good again and, like, and you know, bets on victory. But, the, but it's like it's, – It might not be Max Struess, though. But it, but and, and they have the track it's record. It's a similar problem that they that they had last year in that, yeah, if they get all their guys to the end healthy, dot, 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 and then they don't have a roster that does much to get all their guys to the end healthy. You know, but that, we say that, but you last year they weren't healthy and they still were the number one team in the East, right? Like their development program really does stuff and does wonders with a lot of these guys and things like that. And – you know, like that's that's kind of the one thing sometimes when you're looking at Miami, you're like, well, who's the no name guy that I'm going to know in three months because Miami developed him? Like, who's the guy where I'm like, what? The, where the fuck this guy come from? <laughs> right. Like that's so but I, I think that this is this is devil's advocate here a little bit. But I think that like, no, of course, I think that like last year with like the everyone being sort of up in the air with, you know, we had the two months of of kind of lineup weirdness from, from, uh, you know, uh, from, from a wave from, from, from COVID. And I think that sort of weird environment play is so much to Eric Spolster's advantage that I don't know, assuming we get more of a straight line, like quote unquote, normal roster situation season this year. I don't think that that's an advantage in terms of regular season record. That's going to be replicable for them this year. I think if you like, if you know, you take the snow globe and you shake it up, and the first person to see something, you know, see a pattern like wins. I think that's a game Spo dominates. I think if you if you just take the jigsaw puzzle out of the box, then it's a little bit more of an even playing field. I have no idea where I'm going with this analogy, but it made sense to me. Yeah, yeah, and, and no one. Okay. Else. It, um, it I think out the, uh, just fine, and then. Yeah, but, okay, you, you but trapes no, into something else. But, but. I, get, I get what you're saying, but they also dealt with all of that themselves. No, as I, well. I'm, like I'm, they wanted. But, 
I get what you're saying. Spo wins you those games because of that. But like they also had to deal with they rarely had their team together up until the playoffs. And, you know, yeah, they got lucky with the Embiid injury, but they took the the Celtics to seven games. Right. Like they were right in there. Like it's not a for me. I just feel like we're almost at this point giving too much credit to the Cavs for what they did last year and all hail Ricky Rubio. Um to you know, and 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 kind of discrediting what Miami did, and I'm lower on Miami because they lost PJ Tucker, but it's like I'm also not ready to just fully count them out in that sense. And I think they're going to be a better team than Cleveland because also just the continuity, having to f- replace PJ Tucker is going to be a little bit easier than having to integrate Donovan Mitchell and his lack of defense on a regular nightly basis. And Ricky Rubio's coming back what in January. Like that's a lot of games till they get there. Also, you Cleveland. I- look, Mobley's gonna gonna start out a little bit slower with this ankle. You know, who knows how that disrupts them? Although I, I have a lot of faith in that defense because Mobley and and Jared Allen just give you so much off the top. But I, I'm leaning Miami. I, I think, and probably it's have Toronto massive. above Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. We're, I think I'm with Mo. I'm, we're overlooking the impact of the uh, the million dollar bonus that Tyler Hero gets for making an all defensive team. That's, that's really oh man, be. that's E Defensive Player of the Year right now. It. Watch he would, him; he's going to be slapping the ground like uh, uh, he's at Duke. And uh, <laughs> honorable mention to the Chicago Bulls. You were fun for like three months last year. Uh, that's going to do it for this week, folks. For Seth and Mo, I'm Dave. Go and pre-order the Mid-Range Theory on paperback. It's coming out October 18th. Thanks for listening to the Athletic NBA Show. This has been Nerder. She wrote. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.